We love having the kids in here. Uh, we love just getting to have our children here in service and getting to speak to all of them together. And what I wanted to do this morning in particular is get a little time where I just talk just to the kids. Would you kids like that? For the little time where I get to talk to just you guys? So if you are going to start kindergarten all the way through fifth grade in the fall, I want you to come sit right up here. If you're starting kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, or fifth grade, just come sit right up in the front. And I need to get my, my prop. You guys can turn around. turn around. Turn around and look at me. Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Do you guys know who this is? Do you know who this is, Boston? Who is this? Yes, that's correct. Good job. <laughs> this is your sister, Scarlett. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Scarlett. Hi, baby. So let me ask you guys, how, how many of you remember being a baby? Oh, you got, wow. You guys have incredible, maybe a little bit, okay. Some of you have incredible memories. Tell me, what was one of the best things about being a baby? Sleeping. Yeah, you don't get to do that much anymore? Uh, yeah, you've got, you know, midterms and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't have to do laundry when you're a baby. Yeah, that's true. What else? Yeah. You got to go to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Disneyland is just for babies. No. Your brother and sister loved you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to vacuum the floor every day. There's some great things about being a baby, right? Now, let me ask you this. Okay, you can answer this next question, Landon. What's one of the greatest things about being how old you are now? Right? Because there's some things that change and some things that are better. Yeah, Landon. Doing nothing. Okay, so some things haven't changed. Yeah, Micah. <laughs> Going to school. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't go to school. Yeah, what else? Learning things. Learning things. Yeah. Your parents can trust you more. Wow. You get to do electronics. Right, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, okay? Look at, look at little Scarlet here. What, what do you think is going to change about her? Maybe in the next year or so. What do you think is going to change? Yeah, what do you think? She's going to get bigger, right, yeah. She's going to eat more, okay, yeah. What else? <laughs> Old enough to have an iPhone in the next year, right? <laughs> what about in the next five years? Okay, what do you think is going to change? She's going to be able to talk, yeah. Be able to play sports, ride a bike, walk, yeah. Oh, she does, okay. So... This morning, we are going to talk about a big word, and the big word is sanctification. Can you guys say that? Sanctification. Yeah, close enough. Good. And what we're, let me just explain it a little bit so that you guys understand it. When a baby is born, when a baby is born, it becomes part of a family, right? But that's just the beginning of the journey, right? When Scarlett was born, she became a part of the Ash family. She's got a lot of work to do, right? She's got a lot of growing to do, right? So she's not even done. Now, when we accept Jesus into our hearts, we become a part of God's family, right? But in the same way that when she was born, she had a lot of growing to do, and she still has a lot of growing to do, when we become a part of God's family, we have a lot of growing to do. When, when we first accept Jesus into our hearts, we become a part of God's family, but we have a lot of growing to do. And that's what sanctification is. Remember that big word. Sanctification is growing up 
to be more like Jesus. Okay? You want to say that with me? Sanctification is growing up to be more like Jesus. You guys got it? Growing up to be more like Jesus. So what are some of the ways that we can grow up to be more like Jesus? Yeah, Boston. Yeah, less mistakes and we can help people. Yeah, what are some of the other ways we can grow up to be more like Jesus? What do you think? How can you be more like Jesus? Maybe listen to your parents. Obey them, right? Tell the truth, right? Yeah. Do what you're told. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, okay? I want to pray for you guys, and then you guys can go and sit down with your parents, okay? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these children, and thank you for this opportunity that we had to talk. And Lord, I pray that you will help them to grow up to be more like you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, go ahead and sit with your parents. Everyone else, give these kids a hand. Give it up for my prop, too. All right, the rest of you, uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning. Um, Kids, uh, if you pull out uh, in your bulletin, there's a sheet in there, and uh, there's a picture that you guys can color in. Uh, Adults, there's a picture that you can color in, Um, so feel free. But kids, there's also some blanks to fill in, and uh, you can already fill in two blanks. Uh, Sanctification, we talked about, is growing up to be more like Jesus. Yeah, we're diving into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, there's, there's one in the seat in front of you. If you don't own a Bible at all, please take that home. We want Scripture in your home. But if you just need a loaner for the week, feel free to use it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And what we're talking about this morning is growing. And we've talked about this a lot. If you've been at NBC for a while, this might sound like a broken record. Um, just a few weeks ago, uh, Dave uh, preached on 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-20, where he talked about a lot of the how-to of spiritual growth. At the beginning of the year, we were going through a different series called Church is God's Idea. And again, we talked about the importance of growth. When we were going through our series in 2 Peter, which was at the end of 2014, I preached on this idea of sanctification and talked about what that meant. When we went through the book of Galatians in the beginning of 2014, uh, again, we talked about this idea. of uh, We talked about it when we went through our series in James. We talked about it when we went through our series in Ephesians. We talked about it back in 2008 when we went through our series in Colossians. Uh, we're going to come back to Ephesians and Colossians a little bit later today. But we even had a series in 2012 called Grow to Go and talking about the importance of growth in a Christian's walk so that they can go and take what they know and share it with others. But we've talked about this idea of growth a lot. Why? Why do we keep coming back to it? Two things. First of all, this is what we as believers should be doing for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our lives. Kids, uh, do you think that someone should keep growing their whole life? How many say yes? Yes? Yeah, right? 
grandparents. Any grandparents in the house? Are you still growing? Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, we're all still growing. And as believers in Christ, we should continue to be growing in our relationship with Him for the rest of our life. So is it good to come back to this topic? Absolutely, we need it. We need to keep coming back to it. But even more so than that, why we're talking about growing is because it's what the Bible says. Simply because it's what the Bible says. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-led church. And so because of that, we are unapologetic in what it says. But, but we just talked about this a month ago. So, it's here again in the passage. But we just talked about it at the beginning of the year. Did Jesus ever, like, say the same thing more than once? Ever? All you have to do is look at Luke 15. He's told the same story three different ways to get the same message across. Because he was working with people who needed reminders. And guess what? I'm just as thick-skulled as his disciples were, and I need these reminders over and over and over again. I need to come back to this idea of growth time after time. So here we are again. So let's take a look at our passage this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to read the first eight verses. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So I wanted to take some time and just point out some different things about this passage, some things that we need to pay attention to. First of all is this word that he starts with, finally. This, uh, this was Paul's version of in conclusion in his letters. But as I was reminded in this story, a, a pastor was preaching and said, in conclusion. And a young boy was sitting next to his dad and said, Dad, what does that mean, in conclusion? And the dad said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> And Paul often has a lot of things to say after he gets to his in-conclusion. But, but really, more than that, like what we're seeing here is that Paul is transitioning. And as he's doing so, what he's doing is he's calling back to attention everything else that we've seen before, everything else that's been written in his letter. So it's important to remember where we've been. Finally, Brothers and sisters, after recognizing your visible faith, after encouraging you to stay away from idols, after encouraging you to stand firm in your faith, after encouraging you to live out the gospel, after giving you ways to grow, after reminding you of the good work Timothy did among you, 
And after encouraging you some more, finally, we can get into this. These are just the images that we've used so far in this series. But as, as you see this word finally, you have to go back and just go, okay, what has been said already? And we need to be reminded of that. So he says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And I want to make an important clarification on the beginning of verse 3. Because it says, for this is the will of God. But in the Greek, there is no article. There is no word, the. And, and what that's doing is, is that's clarifying uh, that this is not the entire will of God. When, when he says, uh, this is the will of God, someone could look at that, reading it in English, and go, oh, well, this means this is the entirety of the will of God. What is the only will of God? My sanctification. But that's not what Paul's getting at. Uh, I think the NIV translates this section the best. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. And this is an important distinction for two reasons. Taking your sanctification as the entire will of God, first of all, it puts more pressure on sanctification than needs to be there. In our sanctification process, we will fail. It will be challenging. But if that's our sole focus, we will over-scrutinize every right and wrong choice. We will over-scrutinize every single thing. And it becomes this slippery slope of, oh no, I messed up. Oh no, I made a mistake. Oh no, I had a problem here, an, an, an issue there. I'm not living in God's will. But also... Sanctification, if, if sanctification you're looking at as the entire will of God, it can distract us from other aspects of God's will. God's will is more than just your sanctification. But if you're looking at sanctification as the entire will of God, you're going to miss out on preaching the gospel, fearing God, on and on. In the same way that a son who views good grades as his father's entire will for him, would study to the exclusion of having friends, playing sports, even knowing God. If he thought, this is what my dad wants for me. He wants me to get good grades. That's all that he wants for me. The son would change how he lives. And in the same way, if we make sanctification the entirety of God's will, which it isn't, yes, it's a huge part, but it's not the will of God, we miss out on other aspects of what God has called us to do. But this is part of God's will. Uh, your sanctification. Remember, kids, what sanctification? Sanctification is growing up to be more like Jesus. There you go. Growing up to be more like Jesus. This, uh, this word in Greek is actually used three times in the text. 
It says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 4, it says that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. And that's that same word. When it says holiness, that's the same Greek word as the word sanctification used in verse 3. And then down in verse 7, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Again, same Greek word. So this is what we're to aspire to. Yes, growing up to be more like Jesus. We're to pursue holiness. But what this also shows us, and let me just point out a few things about sanctification. First of all, sanctification has a clear beginning and a clear end. In the same way that every single person's growth has a clear beginning and a clear end. A person's growth begins when they're born into a family. A Christian's growth begins when they're born into their spiritual family. And a person's growth ends when their life does, which is the same for a believer. And track with me on that in just a minute. But, but look at what it says in verse 1. Paul doesn't say, hey, you've done a great job at this. He says, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you've received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, hey, we've asked you to walk. We've asked you to please God. We've asked you to be obedient. You guys are doing that. He doesn't say, great job. You're done. You know, you've, you've attained the, the highest level. But no, he says that you do so more and more. You are not done. This is a continuing work. This is something you need to keep working on. This starts, like I said, after your relationship with Jesus begins. And it ends when we've attained holiness. When we've arrived in heaven. Keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians and flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. To the left a little bit, a few pages. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we get to see this process from beginning to end. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, be, uh, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is, uh, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see in here, in verse 13, this, this ending goal of, of unity Mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When, when we do leave this world and, and get to be with Jesus, we will have achieved 
holiness. We will have achieved maturity. We will have achieved a wholeness that we'll never know in this life. And if you don't believe me that we won't achieve holiness here, just dive into Romans chapter 7. I know the good I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. So sanctification has a clear beginning and a clear end. Sanctification also, it doesn't save you. Kids, uh, let me ask you this. What makes Scarlet a part of her family? What makes Scarlet a part of her family? Yeah. Right. Did she have any choice? No. She was, she was born into her family, right? And that's what made her a part of her family. Right? Scarlet was born into her family. So, so what makes us a part of God's family? We're born into it. That's it. That's it. Look just a little bit further back in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. How are we a part of God's family? Not by what we do, but by His grace. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But those good works, those aren't what save us. They aren't. Sanctification doesn't save you. It's so easy to make sanctification a savior, though. Oh, I'm doing really good in my relationship with God. He must really love me now. I'm doing so good. Wow, God, God must just be tickled pink with me right now. I've, I've really earned his love. No. Or, vice versa, I, I'm not growing a lot right now. Or, or maybe I've messed up a lot. I must not be God's child. And it's so easy to think that. But parents, what could your kids do that would make them no longer be a part of your family? Turn and tell them right now, if they're sitting next to you, Tell your kids, what could they do that would make them no longer be a part of your family? Is there anything? Nothing. I understood this concept in a whole new way when I had kids of my own. There is nothing. Micah, Gabriel, listen to me. There, <laughs> there is nothing that either of you could ever do that will make you not be a part of my family. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing that either of you could do that would make me love you any more than I do. There is nothing that either of you could do that would ever make me love you any less than I do. I love you both with my whole heart, and nothing that you do can change that. <laughs> 
absolutely nothing. And if I, as an imperfect parent, can love my kids in that way, how much more so does God love us? He loves us for who we are, not for what we do. I haven't earned God's favor, and neither have you. So don't view sanctification as a Savior. And don't view it as an inhibitor of your salvation. Rather, remember what it is. It's the growing process that happens after you become a part of God's family. After. Sanctification doesn't save you. Finally, sanctification requires work. Kids, let me ask you this question. How can you tell that Scarlett is a part of her family? Boston, let me ask you. How can you tell that Scarlett is a part of your family? How do you know she's a part of your family? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where does she live? At your house, right? Like, that's, that's a big one, right? Does she hang out a lot with your parents? Yeah. Now, Boston, what if, um, what if I told you that, that your mom, she, she's my mom too. What if I told you that I was a part of your family? Would you believe me? Yes? <laughs> Jen, you got to have a talk with him. <laughs> Landon, am I a part of your family? No. Right? I'm not. How do you know? Yeah, how do you know? Ding! You know? <laughs> that's, that's good evidence in and of itself, right? But there's a lot of other pieces of evidence, right? It's, it's plainly obvious I'm not a part of that family. Uh, when Dave was talking about this topic in, in March, he brought up John 15, which is a great passage to, to go back to, and I'll reference it again. But John 15 talks a lot about this idea of bearing fruit. Verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. See this sanctification process, this growing, this fruit that we, that we have is evidence of what family we belong to. It's evidence that shows where we belong. Galatians 5.22-23 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My kids know that one. They love, there's a little song that they sing about it. These should be evident in your life. Again, doing these things do not save you. They are just evidences of whose family you belong to. Look again at verses 1 and 2 of our passage. Back to 1 Thessalonians. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from God how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. 
And then verse three, verses 3 through 7 are reminders of those instructions. Look, we've given you instructions. We've given you things to do. Now, grab your lazy boy and just relax and let everything happen to you. No! Go and do those things. Now, uh, in groups or as families, I encourage you to use the, the questions on the back of this sheet uh, to get into this section more and more. Uh, but briefly, the main sin issue that Paul is addressing uh, was pertinent back then. And it is hugely pertinent now. Paul tells them that they need to control their bodies, which is something we all need to be working on regardless of age. My boys have loads of energy, and we talk to them every now and then about, hey, settle down, control your body, you know. But growing is hard. It requires lots of work. Uh, Just back in January, my boy Micah learned how to ride a bike. Micah, was it easy to learn how to ride a bike, or was it kind of hard? It was kind of hard, wasn't it? And you're still kind of working on it, right? And you're getting better, but it's still kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Growing up is hard to do. Whether you're going to school, learning to obey, memorizing facts, learning to be a good friend, standing up for truth, on and on goes the list. It's all hard work. Grandparents, does growing up get any easier? No. <laughs> Got a lot to look forward to. Um, (laughs) Growing is really hard. But as we also see in this passage, if you put off growing, if you don't do it, it's unhealthy. Just like a baby that doesn't grow. What if Scarlett, a, a year from now, looked the same as she does today? What if five years from now, she looked the same as she does today? We'd be concerned about that, right? There would be some issues going on. She hasn't grown. What's wrong? The doctors would be looking into it. They'd be researching. So if you and your spiritual walk look the same a year from now as you do today, if you look the same five years from now as you do today, there's something wrong. Why aren't you growing? What's happening there? And also, look at verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You're not growing. You've got the living God to reckon with. So sanctification takes a lot of work. (coughs) But whose work is it? Yes, there is a part that we have to play in the sanctification process. Yes, there is something that we have to do to be growing. But far be it from any of us to sit back and expect to have sanctification just happen. Lord, I, I, I need to grow. Make it happen. No, no, no. We've got a work to do. But, ultimately, this is God's work. In the same way that a child relies on his or her parents to help him grow... We need God to help us grow. But it's so much more than just help. No growth happens without God. 
No growth in your walk with Christ happens without Him. Take a look again at our passage, and I'm also going to pop it up on the screen because I want you to see some things in this passage. That as I was reading through it, as I was studying it, like this stood out to me more than anything else. So yes, there's sanctification. Yes, there's work that needs to happen. But this is what I want you to catch. That it is God's work. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. But each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Do you see that this is God's work? So much more than yours? Where did the asking and urging come from? The Lord Jesus. Where did the instructions come from? The Lord Jesus. Is this our desire or our passion? Or did God call us to live this way? And did He leave us to Him ourselves? Or did He, as it says, gives His Holy Spirit? As Dave brought up in John 14, He gives us His Holy Spirit. Yes, He calls us to live in a certain way, but He doesn't say good luck with that. No, He steps in and He gives us His Holy Spirit so that He's doing the work through us and not us. Not us. What can wash away my sin? My good works? How obedient I am? How, how well I've studied? How good I am as a son or a daughter of Christ? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the one thing that washes away my sin. Louis Burkhoff, in his systematic theology, calls sanctification a work of God in which believers cooperate. A work of God in which believers cooperate. Scripture backs this up time and time and time again. Clearly we see this in our passage today. I was reading this morning in Psalm 5, and I just have to read you verse 7, because again, like we, we have it right here. Psalm 5, 7, it says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. How? Through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. It's God's work. Also, uh, like I said, in the questions on your sheet, I point you to John 15, which blatantly points out that apart from God, we can do nothing. But I wanted to look at one more passage. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. You can flip back a couple pages in your Bible, or I put it up on the screen as well. If it's too small for you, follow along in your Bible. But, but take a look at this passage. And tell me if you see whose work sanctification is. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world. And not according to Christ. You ready? For in Him... The fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism in which you are also raised with Him. Sorry. Buried with Him in baptism. Raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raises Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rules and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. In Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, with Him, with Him. God made alive. He set aside. He disarmed. In Him. Who does the work in sanctifying us? It's God. It is not us. It is not us. So let me just give you two action steps. And while I do, let me uh, invite the band up. What you've heard today could be information. Some interesting things that you've heard. Or it could spark transformation. You could allow it in and let it change your life. So here are two ways to take this and let it transform your life. Remember, first of all, that growth should be happening for the rest of your life. So, when you grow... Give God the credit. Maybe your relationship with God is something newer and you you haven't done this before. Give God the credit when I grow? Like if someone notices something in me, like, wow, like you're really doing well in this or you're, 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 you're really excelling in this area. Or I've seen a lot of change in a positive way. Guess what? That's not you that's doing it. That's God that's doing it through you. So the credit has to go back to Him. Has to. Maybe, uh, no, not maybe. I am who I am. Not because of how awesome I am, but because of how awesome God is. I am who I am, not because of how awesome I am, but because of how awesome God is. And so everything in this world is for God's glory. That includes what we do and how we grow. So when you grow, give God the credit. And when you need to grow, run to God. This can be a scary thing to pray. Lord, I need to grow in patience. He's going to give you, not patience, but opportunities to be patient. Lord, I need to be more loving to my neighbors you're going to get a particularly unlovable neighbor. (laughs) God will stretch you and challenge you. But don't forget, He is your strength. 
your protector, your defender. He is always fighting for you. So trust Him. Trust His process, His will, His direction. He has your best in mind. He wants you to grow, to be more like Him in every way. Because that is the best that He can give you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so overwhelmed by your love. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that you're taking a wretch like me and doing something good with it. But Lord, I have to remember that it's you that's doing the good. It's you that's doing the good. So Lord, the credit has to go back to you. The glory has to go back to you. That's what this life is all about anyways. Your glory. Worshiping you. Giving you the honor. Giving you the praise that you're due. So Lord, if there's any pride in me, I ask that you just wipe it clean. And Lord, let the credit go back to you every single time. And Lord, when I need to grow, when I'm in the midst of growth, when I'm in the midst of a challenging situation, Lord, let me remember that you're walking with me through it. You're doing a good work and you're preparing me for something amazing. We love you so much, this Lord. Love you so much. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.